Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. All right, here we are, 10 weeks of quarantine and still going strong. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name, it's Aaron Camaro. Joined as always, well, he's not here because, of course, as you know, the last 10 weeks we're under quarantine. He's at his house. It's Chris Sinzak. How's it going, man? Good. How are you doing? I'm uh, two beers deep, and I'm feeling good, ready to record. Good deal, man. We we are going to have fun with this one. I just know it. We've got a ton of great questions. We're doing the quarantine sessions once again. I mean, man, we got a ton of great feedback over these quarantine sessions. Everybody seems to be really digging it. Yeah, I I just put out a post thanking everybody that because we've had a lot of people reach out and just like privately and say, "Oh, I really like what you're doing." and and that elicited a whole bunch of comments of people saying how much they enjoy the format. So we were kind of leaning towards doing this type of format going forward, and uh, it's been a it's been a fun thing to do. And, and you guys seem to be enjoying it, so thank you. Yeah. So here we go, number ten. Before we get to that and introduce our special guest for the week, we got to take care of our business. And you know us, we love them, we need them. iTunes, Podchaser, Facebook recommendations. We need them. You can give them to us. We've got an awesome one right here. It's a Facebook recommendation. Comes to us from our main man, Adam Cox. You know him. He's the dude that takes care of the Facebook page for us. He's the one that's putting all these interesting things on there for people to comment and vote on and all the fun things. It's all wrapped around hard rock and heavy metal music, but it's always a good time at the Facebook page. If you don't like it, what you waiting for? Go ahead and give it a like and get in on the conversation. Adam Cox... Man, he's awesome. He says this. As a longtime listener, I love Decibel Geek. Chris and Aaron have given me a wonderful opportunity to write for them, make friends across the world, and engage on Facebook with some fantastic people. The podcast is top quality, and the two have a unique chemistry that makes it a show to be proud of. The guys also encouraged others to start their own podcasts and have always given encouragement and support to them. Along with the friendship and the creative outlet, Decibel Geek has helped me to develop my career. And sincere thanks go to them and the Meister for always being there for me. Long live Decibel Geek. Man, how cool is that? I love Coxie. He's such a good guy. It's just, it's so wild to know that we live in an age where a guy in England is running our Facebook page, you know, just right? all the way across the globe. Decibel Geek is the worldwide pandemic 
that you can count on, the pandemic that you need, spread it across the globe. Yeah, we might cause diarrhea, but otherwise it's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) You're no doctor. You don't know. Yeah, I'm no doctor for sure. But yeah, as awesome as that is, and Coxie, thank you, man. We love you. That is the only review we've got. But like you said, so many people dug the uh, quarantine episodes, you know, so that we can always, if we're feeling low, because we only got one, as awesome as that one is, we can always go to the Facebook page ourselves and check out all the comments of people that love the quarantine sessions, because there's a ton. Yeah, we kind of, we really feed on your feedback. So if you hear something you like in an episode, or even if you don't like it, we want feedback either way. Tell us what you like, what you don't like. Um, it helps us know what, you know, what way to steer the show in the future because we do appreciate your feedback. So a lot of great feedback. And uh, thanks, Coxie, for that. And keep doing a great job with us on the page. And also, uh, Coxie contributes to our good friends Blame Your Brother on their podcast page. He does oh, their blog too. So, uh, Great, uh, multi-talented guy. So thanks, Coxie. Very cool. Awesome. Well, I mean, quarantine sessions, they got to roll on. And here we go. Number 10. Last week, we had a lot of fun with Andrew. Came on, talked to us about his movie. We answered all kinds of KISS questions. I got a feeling we'll probably have a few more KISS questions sprinkled in here today. But, man, last week was a lot of fun. I really like Andrew a lot. Yeah, Andrew was great. And I saw today that... His documentary has now gone past 100,000 views on YouTube. So Nice. Good uh, work, guys. Congrats to him on that. And, uh, yeah, check out One Last Kiss. If you haven't checked it out on YouTube, it's on there for free to watch. Watch it on your big screen because you'll get a really cool kind of overview of the Kiss show on this last tour. So it's uh, it was great to have him on, and uh, thanks for uh, listening to that one. Well, we know our favorite people. They're the ones that shared last week's episode as we talked all about the hottest band in the land. And they took that episode. They went out on the Internet. They shared it. They retweeted it. They told all their awesome friends all about it. And for doing so, they are honorarily named this week's Geeks of the Week. Yeah, and we got the episode a little late, so our list is a little short. But as we know, size does not matter, right? Geeks of the Week are Simon Cat, Bill Elam, Jay Shablewski, Joseph Capone, Rock and Ron Runyon, Kiss Army Omaha, Kristen Schembeck, Mark Alden-Taylor, James McElhenney, Mikhail Burrell, Christopher Stokes, Alan Deshaun, Eladio, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. You want to become a Geek of the Week just like these fine people. All you got to do is get out and share and retweet this week's episode, and this is Quarantine sessions number 10 we all along since we started doing this we always want to bring somebody on with us somebody that's a lot of fun somebody that's very cool somebody that we like a lot and we've kind of been going back to people that have been a part of the show with us for a long time you know people that because we talk about it all the time you know especially normally around this time of year when we're ramping up for rock and pod but all the friendships that have been made from the decibel geek podcast you know Coxie even mentioned it in his review how many other shows have kind of broke off from, you know, hearing us and going, hey, if these jokers can do it, anybody can do it, you know? So then we've we've made so many different friends from all different walks of life, all different parts of the world. But our guest this week is a man that we got to be friends with right from the very beginning. And he's a dude that we love to hang out with. He's one of the most awesome rock photographers in the whole freaking world. And we love it when he shows up to Rock and Pod because we know we're going to get a whole shitload of awesome pictures from it. I want to introduce you guys. You know him. You love him. He's been on the show before. I'm talking about the one and only Metal Mike. Hey, what's up? <laughs> Here That's we go. That's a good Ian Wadley impression. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was all the talk about cocks over with. <laughs> Rock cocks, right? Rock cocks. <laughs> What's going on, man? It only I'm here, and it's only taken me about what seven years. It's been a while, six, yeah, six seven years to be on an episode. <laughs> what did what have we recorded before? We came up with you, and what did we record uh, for that time? Well, we did a lost episode that never got aired because of all the private info that was on oh, it. Shit. That was the drunken right. decibel geek summit that we did with I Mike and uh, Billy Hardaway and several other people. Oh wow, where yeah. is that? Is that in a vault somewhere? It's on a hard drive I've got right here. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. I still have that. Wow! Nice. In your house, I've yeah, got it along right. with pictures of all our shoes in a pile. <laughs> that's too funny oh man back when chris used to tell everybody my wife was japanese <laughs> yeah there's nothing like telling anthony quarter from tora tora take off your shoes before your you shoes come in the house <laughs> couldn't help it man we bought a place with a white carpet <laughs> we didn't have the money to change it just yet <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'll I'll go back to the beginning of our contact with Metal Mike. Um, Mike sent us a special gift that I still have to this day. We had, I don't remember, I don't know if we played anything off the album, but or we talked about the movie Iron Eagle. Oh, yeah. And, and I think it was about the how bad the uh, King Cobra video is, which I also busted Mick Sweetas balls when we talked to him. <laughs> um, uh, Mike actually sent us a vinyl copy of the soundtrack with a nice note and that was kind of like one of our early contacts with you correct yeah iron eagle was like a mainstay of like i don't know man it was what was it like four or five episodes it, it just came up it all was, the time yeah it was a recurring joke kind of a thing and this yeah. was way way back at the very beginning like we were recording i remember this because we were recording in your nook at your house in laverne yeah and uh you're all excited and you were like check it out you know this guy sent this to us because he's listening to the show, and because Iron Eagle's been this reoccurring joke over the last you know month or however long we kept it going, he sent me yeah, the album. Yeah, it was for episode 100, I, I think. Wow. It was for the 100th episode. Wow. That's right. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, that's right. I'm a, I'm a geek of the week when... You actually got your name. You you were one. You know. You remember that? <laughs> yeah, it used to be before, one person. Yeah, yeah, before it was geeks of the week. It was used to be yeah, it was geek, just of, geek the of the week. Yeah. I think I'm like number ninety, episode number ninety eight, if I remember <laughs> correctly. Well, I I thought of you when we interviewed Mick Sweeta for that Bullet Boys thing because I had to shoehorn an Iron Eagle reference there, and I <laughs> I, I said something about uh, did so did. Uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. make you do push-ups or something like that, and he got real quiet, and he goes, you just had to bring that up, didn't you? <laughs> hey, man, I, I, have a, I still have a copy for myself, so I don't think he, I just gave you up my only one. So. <laughs> well, it's a only because he had a spare. Yeah, no kidding. One of his spares. But, like, you, I mean, you've gone on and become a real contributor to the site and started your own photography business, and... And you take some amazing photos that get posted yeah. on our Instagram page. I mean, like some of the concert shots you share are really incredible, man. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, that that all just kind of happened by accident. You know what I mean? It, I think, um, I don't know, it's been about, what, five, six years, something like that. Um, just kind of fell into it. I, I went to a show up here. I used Decibel Geek credentials to get in. I took my wife's camera. 
kind of took it over for a while and um found out how easy it was to go about doing that thing and then you know next thing i know i'm meeting people making connections here making friends over here calling up somebody yeah come on out and shoot and next thing i know, I have a knack for it who knows right so it's all your fault (laughs) (laughs) how dare we we nurture you yeah and, and not to mention i have like you know because i needed something right off the bat for a name and it I really basically used my initials, but now every time I apply for something and I, I use Decibel Geek name, you know, it's like MDG Rock Picks or Rock Photography. It's like the worst name you can have, but somebody's always like, oh, is that Mike Decibel Geek? I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess. If it helps you know. remember it easier, <laughs> sure. I don't know. Whatever you think. But yeah, man, I got to thank you all for that because... It's uh, provided me a way to get in and meet a lot of people, man. A, l- a lot of people that I grew up listening to, and sometimes I gotta slap myself when I'm standing next to like you know, like fucking Doyle, you know, <laughs> at a show somewhere, or anybody else from the genre, basically that Decibel Geek caters to. You know, it's yeah. the same kind of stuff I grew up listening to. So, I mean, well, right I- before all this covid shit hit you know i was uh the last show i did was uh like a tom Kiefer show you know what i mean so that was kind of cool in itself right on yeah, and i'll say uh and uh and i'll reference Baco here because uh, i'm sure he'd agree with me doyle much more fun to photograph than interview yeah yeah um of course i've never been on the interview side of that but i've heard quite a few and um my old co-host and pretty much best friend brother from another josh that talked to me he's you know he's listening he's already gave a shit about this episode already before it's even <laughs> recorded but you know he had a an interesting interview that was just kind of ouch That's yeah I on that and i and I, I was gonna ask you i talked to josh right before we got on mine and, and uh, i was gonna ask you how does it feel to be the david lee roth to ian wadley sammy hagar for being to me co-host <laughs> Uh, am I the David Lee Roth or the Sammy Hagar? You're actually the David Lee Roth and Ian Sammy Hagar, and I'm expecting him to try to kill me now. Oh man, don't <laughs> sick that guy on me, man. I don't, I don't want bad juju with that guy, man. It's like the most <laughs> insulting thing you can say. I know. I'm, I have a death wish or something, right? Yeah, evidently I do now. Thanks. <laughs> but I'll totally take the Dev, the David Lee Roth, even though I. Sorry, Ian. I do like Van Hagar. Oh man! But yeah, Shots but, fired. Yeah, but you did you did podcasting for a little while. You did the Offer Med show, and yeah. and then you then you were Josh's co-host. Do, do you miss doing podcasting? Uh, sometimes I don't know. I mean, as far as like with Offer Meds, it was uh, you know myself and my co-hosts Eric and Daniel, and. It was it was good times, but I mean I, I I took on the editing part and all that stuff. It was just too much stuff. I I do photography stuff way better. I think I have a lot more fun in that field and kind of found my knack, so to speak, doing that. So I can't really say I miss it too much. Well, you moved right into the photography thing and you're doing awesome at it. So that's cool. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. So we got a lot of awesome questions today. We got a bunch of them to get to. You guys want to just jump right into this? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Mike, you're going to love this. We got some from Instagram, your favorite. <laughs> this comes to us from Byron Chambers. He wants to know, why is Sonny Pooney of Podcast Rock City always wrong? 
Uh, I don't know that he's always wrong. There's certain things I disagree with him on, but we both have a shared love of Kiss Asylum, so I have to give him credit for that one. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Asylum. And you know what? When it comes to these things, and we all make jokes and we all talk about the things we love in a funny way sometimes, and you know, we all have got our opinions on certain things, but that's what makes us all individuals. So, you know, Sonny might be only wrong to you. You know, there might be a bunch of other people that he's right on the money with, and that goes for me or Chris or even Mike today as we go through these questions. I'm sure there's going to be something that one of us is going to answer wrong <laughs> somewhere <laughs> along sure. the line today. Yeah. I like his next question, though. Yeah, his next one is, what's the best supergroup? Damn Yankees, Chicken Foot, Temple of the Dog, Hell Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of supergroups. I mean, I always think uh, I got kind of a list because I looked at these ahead of time and said, let me actually think about some of these first. So I got a little list, and you guys tell me what you think. Okay. I think a bad company. Mm-hmm. It's an awesome supergroup. Uh, Blue Murder. Yeah. You got to yeah, count them as be- a supergroup. What about Badlands? Uh, I don't know if I would. Nah, I wouldn't say they're a supergroup. I mean, they all came from something. Well, I mean, Ray Gillen. Yeah, but they had a main focus. Well, I mean, Ray Gillen tangentially was a Black Sabbath guy, but he wasn't really yeah. well known for being in that band. Hmm. Uh, the the one I always think of that was actually pushed as a supergroup and was actually the first one I ever really thought about being a supergroup was when Contraband formed. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Boy, if you... Uh... If you, I don't know if you've ever seen interviews with Richard Black about that experience. Boy, was that that group was a bit of a sham. If you, if you listen to what he says about it, like he says like like they never got in the same room and like he was he was all about it. He was on board. Of course, he had the least successful regular gig with Shark Island out of the rest of them. But right. he says that everybody just didn't. They were half hearted about it. But I do love that record though. And like I said, I think they were kind of pushed as that. You know, that was the first time I ever remember hearing somebody talked about as a super group. Like, all these members from these different bands are formed contraband, you know, and it was like a, a big push for that. But I never really got into the music that much. The guitar playing's awesome, but something's missing on that album, I always thought. Yeah, hmm. same. Same here, Aaron. I'm a big Tracy Guns fan, so yeah. when that first came out, I was on board. But, I mean, just like... Headbangers Ball, you know, back in the day, watching uh, when their video came out, it seemed kind of like thrown together. Even back then, when I was what I don't know, twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old, whatever that was when that came out. But and then it just didn't go anywhere. So, any other ones you guys think of? Well, I mean, damn Yankees is kind of an easy guess, but I mean, I really love the two records they put out. I I was a big fan of that band at the time, and I, it's funny because I'm. I think I like Damn Yankees a lot better than I like them better than Night Ranger, and I like them better than Sticks. So I kind of I like them better now. Nugent's seventies work is untouchable to me, yeah. but but um, I love the combination of those guys. And uh, there was a third record recorded with Damon Johnson in place of Tommy Shaw, but it never got released. Man, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, I would go Velvet Revolver. I would go with yeah. that for sure. Singing yeah, they were good. Around that lines, maybe uh, them crooked vultures. That yeah. one, one hundred percent. Thank you. That just completely slipped my mind. But that that album, I'm everybody's talking about a new Foo Fighters album right now, and I'm just waiting on Dave Grohl to 
you know, get the guys back together and do uh, Crooked Bolsters too. I actually Shit, caught man. that tour. So, oh, nice. I mean, if they don't do another one, at least I can say that I've, I've seen them, you know. Yeah, I love what, that album. Would we call uh, Dead Daisies a super group? I think so. I, Definitely. I would think so. Yeah, for they, sure. Them with Karabi, I would say, yeah. I haven't been happy about what I've heard with Glenn Hughes because everything Glenn Hughes does turns into a Glenn Hughes project. So yeah, I, I yeah. think they kind of lost their identity with him. I love Glenn Hughes, but it's just, I would have rather them stuck with Karabi. He's an overpowering presence in any band. Yeah. He becomes him. California Breed was great. Yeah. Black Country Communion, too. That's a yeah, super group. Too. Yeah. Yeah, but it's just like with what you said, Chris, like those other two bands you just named, they, they turn into Glenn Hughes' yeah. solo project, basically. Yeah, and that solo record that he put out a few years ago, that's an amazing record. But, you know, it's the, the he's like the king of bass tone. He has like oh, the yeah. best bass tone of anybody. And such a kick-ass voice, too. Oh, yeah, he can still hit all the high notes. I just ordered uh, about a week ago. It should be here any day now. I ordered something off of the eBay. It was a Glenn Hughes CD that I'd never heard of before, and there's a million of them. And uh, I was explaining to my wife that is like before Decibel Geek. I really, I mean, I knew who Glenn Hughes was, but I never really went out of my way to listen to any of his stuff. But since doing this show, I've become like a massive Glenn Hughes fan. But it's like you guys are saying how he becomes when when I put it in my iPod. Everything he's done is under Glenn Hughes. All these different bands, it's all under Glenn Hughes. Right. Have you ever heard any of the Hughes Thrall stuff? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Early 80s, that's worth your time. For sure. Um, let's see. I, I think Army of Anyone. I like that album. That was a bunch of different guys. If you're talking about uh, Temple of the Dog, I would say Mad Season is kind of a super group. Oh, for sure. Yeah, that was a great album. I'm going to be doing one of those grunge episodes with Baco on that album coming up. Are you soon, really? I guess. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, how about the Winery Dogs? That That's one of those where it has all the ingredients that should be something I love, but I never have clicked with them. Hmm. I haven't either. Yeah. I, like I love all the stuff. players. Yeah. I do too. And that's funny, Chris, because that seems like Winery Dogs would be right up your alley. And I, I mean, I can appreciate it when I listen to it. It's certainly not bad. It's just, I don't know. There's just something. It comes off kind of dad rockish to me when I listen to it. <laughs> Is that wrong? No, I think you hit it right on the head. Yeah, I think maybe so. <laughs> it's like it's like calling your album "Hot Streak." It sounds like such a dad rock name. Yeah, I think you called it, man. I think that's what it. I think that's what it is. I've never put my finger on it till just now. That's funny. <laughs> there goes that return interview. Yep. <laughs> I think another one I think of is the Hollywood Vampires. Yeah, they have some good stuff. But when I really broke it down and tried to do the list, I got to mention Neurotic Outsiders. That was a pretty great oh, album. That's a great record. I'm, I didn't even think about that one. No, that's definitely a super record. Yeah, that's a solid record. But I think my two favorite... And I love them both for different reasons. The lineup for the first original Slash's Snake Pit. Mm. Um, and then, I don't know if you'd call this one a super group, but when you look at the members and what they had done before, they all came from bands you heard of. I'd say the Blizzard of Oz band. 
Yeah, I guess yeah. That, w- that technically would be a super group. Because Randy, sure. Randy came from Quiet Riot, and you had the guys that were in Uriah Heap and all that. You know, those guys had all done stuff. Ozzy obviously was in Sabbath. Yeah. So that's, I think, nope. my number one super group is the original Blizzard Vaz band. So nobody's going to say HSAS? Uh, what's that? No, no. Yeah. That was, that was the uh, Sammy Hagar, Neil Sean super group. Oh, oh shit. Yeah, I don't. I didn't see yeah. Chicken Foot on the list either, or the Circle. I think he, I think Ian Wiley would have mentioned that on his episode. Yeah, yeah, probably. We'll let them guys cover that stuff. <laughs> He's rage listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you already threw me to the wolves, so I might as well uh, yeah. step up to the plate. Just, yeah, just dive right in. Mm-hmm. Why not? Um, let's see. Got another one here from the Instagram. Oh, man, I couldn't pronounce this name last week. I'm not going to even try this week. I very (laughs) seldom find enjoyable cover songs. Do you prefer cover songs that are close to the original or that are heavily rearranged? I am most favorable to the covers that are crossing genres. Um, So I I think what I think about is when Anthrax came out with the Anthems album. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited about it because Anthrax is known for taking cool rock songs and really heavying them up. But when oh. I got that one, I was kind of disappointed because they almost sounded exactly like the originals. Oh, you didn't like Anthems? I didn't really uh, care for it. There's some oh, stuff that's on there, but it's too close to the original. They didn't put enough Anthrax on it, I don't it think. It is. It is. But they did. Like you said, though, they beefed it up. Not enough. I. It's Okay. It's, it okay. kind of... I don't know. It's like you can't pay, paint with a wide brush on this answer because certain times where it's true to the original, it works out great. Where if, like with Anthrax, for them, for example, what they did with She or Love I, Love or All I Can by Kiss Parasite. was amazing. Yeah, or Parasite. Yeah, but and that's great. But like Anthems, it just for some reason it kind of fell flat for me too. But also, I also like it when bands make it their own. And I will never accuse myself of being a Toad the Wet Sprocket fan. <laughs> But what they did with Rock and Roll All Night is genius. I mean, turning okay. it into a freaking campfire sing-along acoustic song. I, I, I don't know. It's, you can't really say one way. I can't say one, like, do the original or make it your own. It's it's a case-by-case basis for yeah. me. Yeah, it is. And I, I'm the same way, man. It's like sometimes I hear one and I'm like, come on. I, I'll just listen to the original version, whatever song that may be. Right, and then there's others that it'll be halfway through the song before I fucking even know what it is. You know what I mean? So yeah. it, it goes both ways, man. I love cover songs, obviously, but I don't know. I, I saw that question earlier, and I, I figured that was going to be a a sticking point on this for sure. I like it when bands take a pop song and rock it out. Sometimes, yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, Local H does a cover of a Britney Spears song. I give a damn about Britney Spears music. But when Local H plays it and it's got distorted rock and guitars in it, it's like, whoa. Well, I guess if you really pay attention, that Britney Spears song's got a hell of a riff. You know? <laughs> Which oh, song was that? Uh, Toxic. Yeah. No shit. Yeah. There's also uh, a lot of good uh, metal versions of Lady Gaga songs out there, too. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sorry, Luke Carl. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. Hailstorm. Oh, yeah. Hailstorm is great. They do great. They do good covers. They did, um, what's the Jay Z one they did? I actually liked. I don't I can't know. Re- I, I can't remember the name of the song, but it was, it, it was a good cover. They, they do those on EPs, correct? 
Yeah, the, they do all these covers, EP, and the 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 Hellstorm cover that I think is above all else Judas is Priest. Dissident Aggressor by yeah, Judas Priest for sure. Just Lizzie is incredible on that song, but yeah, it's a case by case basis, um, Mister Abdusajaya. <laughs> But see, that's the cool thing about Hailstorm too, is because any song they do, it's going to become theirs. You know, they it's it's. I like when a band like here's another example. I can't get into the Danzig Elvis thing because where Danzig had the opportunity to take Elvis songs and make them into Danzig songs, he mm-hmm. kind of messed up and did the opposite and tried to take what Danzig is and fit it into an Elvis song. You know what I mean? Where he had an opportunity to really take these songs. And imagine, like, if he had the band from the first album and they did those songs, you know, with the heavy guitars and everything else in them. That could have been out of this world cool. But what I've heard on it, I just, it's like, don't try to be Elvis. Bring those songs and make them Danzig songs. And so, like, I don't like it when the artist tries to fit themselves to the song rather than create something that, like, what would this song have sounded like? If I had wrote it, if I had released it. I haven't well, even listened to that one yet. Well, just so you know, I've got an email with my tracking information for that LP, and it'll be here in about three days. So. All right. Well, you'll have <laughs> to. what I think about it. Let, yeah, let me know what you think. Oh, it's, I love it. On paper, it's a great idea. You love it? Yeah, hell yeah. That's a good album. Wow. See, I just couldn't get into it. Nah, I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> Go on YouTube when you're done listening to the show and look up Danzig Fever and tell me that's cool. It's on the album, isn't it? Yeah, it's on the album. It's not yeah. cool. Oh, come on. He's always been heavy metal Elvis anyways. Yeah, so then he should have made these heavy metal songs. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. I don't know. Agree to disagree. Okay. okay. All right, let's keep moving then. Um, this one comes to us from Jeff DV8. Longtime listener, first time contributor. Question Name your top three American bands ever. And this includes all genres. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, I saw that question. I don't even know how to go about that. As, as far as American bands, you know, because well, anything easy. you gotta... it's It's Kiss, it's Ugly Kid Joe, and it's tough. I mean, how hard is that? <laughs> I'm with you until the tough. All right, Aaron, give give Loose Cannon and Baco a few seconds to stop laughing right now. I'm sorry. Oh boy, damn, that's a hard. How do you narrow that down to three? Um, I don't know. I'll say Kiss, Aerosmith, and Ramones. What about Alice Cooper? I love Alice, but I view him more as a solo act than a band. Oh, okay. Well, I'll see you with the Ramones and uh, go Ramones, um, Guns N' Roses. But see, that's, you know me. I'm Oh, God, you and your Guns N' Roses. Exactly right. But, I mean, <laughs> when the guy says American bands, I mean, that's like one of the, you know. Yeah. They put out two good records, Mike. But Guns N' Roses popped I, I in my that. head too when I saw I the questions. I know that, but but the caliber of album, their first album—that's all you need. Come on, hey, the, the Bay City Rollers put out point. a good first record too. You know, no, they did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need proof of that statement. Yeah, me too. I, even I didn't believe that when I was saying it. Hey, you know what? Damn it. 
for Aaron and myself, I'm going to say let's go Ramones, Guns N' Roses, and Ugly Kid Joe. Just Shit, for yeah. just for Aaron. It ain't just for me. You've been ratted out in this show a long time ago. When I tell people (laughs) I'm Ugly Kid Joe fan number two, it's because Metal Mike is Ugly Kid Joe fan number one. Well, that makes two of you on that answer. Hey, that's all we need. See? So there you go. There's the proof. (laughs) Ugly Kid Joe, top three all-time American rock bands. (laughs) (laughs) Steven Tyler is highly disappointed. (laughs) Sorry. All right, Jeff's also got a trivia question. Chris, I bet you you know the answer to this. I don't know the answer to it. I didn't look it up. What do the letters in the iconic punk rock bar CBGBs stand for? See, I know that part. I don't know the other part. The CBGB stands for Country, Bluegrass, and Blues. All right, nice. And then the bonus, what does the UMFUG stand for? You don't know that either? I have no. I, I, I'm trying to be honest. I didn't even look it up. Mike, the uh, it's O M. I know it's O. Oh, it's, it's it not. says U. What are what are the initials again? O M F U G. Well, the guy in the question put it. What you what? U M F U G. Yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make any okay. better. Does well, it? I don't even know the difference. So I have no idea. I failed the test. I'll uh, you I'll look, look it up, up real quick. <laughs> Let's see, I can tell you real fast. Let's see, CBGB, uh, da, 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 da. come on, Wikipedia. I mean, I don't use Wikipedia. Oh, my fucking something. Oh, it stands for Other Music and Uplif- Uplifting Gormandizers. What the hell are Gormandizers? Although, oh, a, although a Gormandizer is usually a ravenous eater of food, <laughs> what Hilly Crystal meant was a vora- voracious eater of music. Okay, well, I guess that makes sense. I think, or does I'm it? Glad Hilly Crystal <laughs> didn't do, did do drugs. No shit. At least I knew the first part. <laughs> okay, well that's good. Yeah, I knew the first part. The other one, I I knew when I saw that. I know it was oh because I have a couple shirts with that on it, but I had no idea what it stood for. You guys know your New York seventies punk metal better than I do. <laughs> I guess. All right, here's one from Dunin fifty one fifty. The fist in the air to this guy. He's been asking some awesome questions during this entire quarantine session. He wants to know favorite albums from the past that you just don't listen to much anymore because you've burnt out on them. Oh, there's a, there's a lot. Um, Dr. Feelgood, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess Appetite. I really don't go back to Appetite anymore, um, nice. even though I will, I do respect it as a great one of the two good records Guns N' Roses made. I still um, Wow. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, but I didn't mention the greatness of Chinese democracy. Yeah, um, no, that doesn't. Don't. That's an Axl Rose solo album. That don't count. That one. <laughs> um, what about? Because uh, we have to go back to Kiss. What Kiss album do you never listen to anymore? Um, actually, there's quite a few. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of Kiss albums. I, don't I listen, listen to them to. all, all the time. I don't listen to the first three anymore. Like if I if I want to hear anything from those records, I just listen to Alive. Um, I don't listen to Sabbath Volume Four. I don't listen to Paranoid. What? See, I uh, listen to that stuff all the time. Like when I'm I got my new iPod, those were some of the first albums that went in. Man, and I hate to say it, but I would say Too Fast for Love. I don't awesome. listen. I don't listen to that at all, and it's like one of my favorite albums. 
and I, I just I do not listen to it. You know, it's weird too. I had a couple picked out here, and I also picked a Motley Crue album, but I picked Girls, Girls, Girls. That was one I, I was really into when I was a young kid, and I even had it on LP and listened to it to death. And I can't tell you the last time I pulled that one off the CD rack and listened to it. And the other one I got on my list, Hysteria. I used to love that when I was a kid. I can barely stand it now. That yeah. surprises me, Aaron. I didn't think you would be a fan of that record. When I was young, I was. I dug it a lot. When it was new, and that was the hot new thing. You know, I saw the video for women, and I was like, man, that's cool. I got to get me some of that. And then that was my only Def Leppard album. And then it took but me you couldn't years get away later from that album. go listen you know? to the good shit that came out way before that. Oh, God. MTV ran that record into the ground. No shit. Yeah, they did. And Girls, 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 man, that's... That album has not aged well. No, it has not. And we're we're all roughly the same age, man. So, like, when that came out, they were jeans and, and black leather and whatever that look they were going for then. So it made it kind of cool. And it's like, oh, they're badasses now, yeah. you know, they're especially coming from shit. theater pain. Yeah. And when you get older and you look back at it, it's like, it's an album of filler, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I I always like to go back to the quote of when we interviewed Toby Wright about, uh, you know, and that was one of the questions was, I didn't even ask him what his memories were of Girls, Girls, Girls. I was like, do you remember making Girls, Girls, Girls? <laughs> And he said, not much. And, you know, like they, they partied through the entire making of that record, and you can tell by the results of it. Oh, yeah. 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 It, they half-assed the whole thing. Although I yeah. do think I still think Wild Side is a great song. Wild Side's a great song. Um I like uh oh shit, what's that song on there? See, that's you like how, Nona. Nona, oh, yeah, that's my no. favorite. <laughs> I think all in the name of rock and roll is good. That's the one I like I'm thinking that. of. Yeah, I like that song. But the rest of it's kinda meh. Yeah, it's a lot of meh. Pretty much. Although I did like, you know, when I was a kid and my dad took me to um Shit, what is the name of that movie? Chris, you probably know. You're a you're a knower of all things. Um Ford Fairlane? No, it wasn't that. That was before like Father Like Son. There you go. Oh, the had, Tom Hanks Jackie Gleason movie. No, it was Kirk Cameron. And um Kirk Cameron. Uh, yeah, and, and Dudley Moore, I, I believe. Huh. It had like Wild Side, I think it had uh uh, no, five I, years I, dead or something like that. It was one of the it was one of the fifty movies that okay. you know people changed uh, bodies or whatever. Oh, you were watching Kirk Cameron movies, not me. Yeah, hell yeah. Why not? No, but I just remember that standing out in my <laughs> mind when I go into the movies when I was kids. So I was like, oh yeah, look, check it out, Dad. This is my. Oh, I'm, I'm, right I'm thinking. I was thinking of nothing in common. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, the going looking back now, like uh, that was, I don't know. I think there's about three songs that I would go back to on that album, and that's about it. I'm not a um, Theater of Pain or a uh, Girls, Girls, Girls fan. I love Theater of Pain. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the next one comes to us from Don Hoxie. He wants to know what are your thoughts on national level country western acts covering classic rock tunes at their shows. I don't hardly... I have zero thoughts on that. Uh, well, th- it's interesting he brings this up because um, our friend Eric Hernandez, who's a photographer that was at Rock and Pod last year, he uh, sorry to bring another photographer into the conversation, Mike. No, no, I, I know him well from uh, um, well from Instagram of all places. 
Well, he uh, he posted a photo of the. Do you, I don't know if you guys listened to the Motley Crue country album that came out a couple of years I ago. I did. I'd never really given it a shot, and I decided, okay, let's go on YouTube and see what what, what we have here. Whoo! Um, <laughs> oh my goodness! Although I will say, there's a couple of songs that are done better as country songs than they are as Motley Crue songs, like. Um, Darius Rucker does Time for Change, which uh, works way better as a country song by Darius Rucker than it ever did for Motley Crue. That so, makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a country song. Um, but I'm not a hater. I mean, I li- Aaron and I live here in Nashville, so I mean, I, I give my respect to country music, well, to older country music, not to the new stuff. But uh, I don't know. If they're covering classic rock songs, Hey, so much the better. I mean, if there's any awareness for the music we grew up on, that's good. And if those guys grew up listening to it, that's great, too. Doesn't mean I'm going to go out and buy a cowboy hat, but um, I don't have a problem with it. Maybe you should. Uh, No, I shouldn't. Well, and these days, you know, all the big country that blows up and gets big is pretty much like 80s metal, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. It's like like 80s MTV, you know? It's like Mm -hmm. the band's... It's like country music is like 80s glam rock almost, except without, you know, the mascara and aquanet and distortion. But and they good had, songs. And bedazzled jeans. No, they got the bedazzled jeans. And decent, <laughs> decent hooks and good guitar solos, yeah. For sure. So that's kind of what that's evolved to, but I can't take that stuff without the distortion. <laughs> yeah. I can live without the hairspray, but I got to have the distortion. Yeah, it's like peanut butter with no jelly. <laughs> or worse. Or worse. All right. Here's one. Uh, oh, we're in the Twitter now. Nice. Here's one from Bill Elam. He wants to know, what's the most difficult thing you have to do in order to protect your intellectual property in the Internet age? This is all Mike. Yeah, I saw that question earlier, and um, there's not much. I mean, you can watermark your shit. You can get creative with um, your watermarks. I know I've put some out there and um, have hidden them. You know what I mean? And I've seen them stolen and I've seen them reposted and used. And uh, I just know that in the pickup on some guy's guitar, you know, there's my name right in the middle of it, really small. But I mean, I mean, you know, as that as opposed to having a big watermark right there where somebody will leave your shit alone more than likely. But. I think if you're going to put something out there, you just got to be willing to deal with um, what comes along with that. You know what I mean? Because especially now, because Instagram, something like that, they're not going to have your back on anything. I'll tell you that right now from experience. Even, even when uh, when the artists themselves take your watermark out of the picture. Uh, who are you referring to? Uh, nobody in particular. <laughs> Dude, do I, you want me to start dropping names? No, no, no. We probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> But, yeah, you're right, though, because, like, I hate watermarks, man. I don't want to put my shit out there with that because, it, yeah. you know, it but you have to. It. And uh, I went through a phase where, you know, you kind of, like, find um, how you want to do that kind of stuff, just something small like that. And I would just have something in the corner. Well, you can't do that because somebody will crop it, take that out, and use your photo as you know who I'm referring to has done that two or three times and probably sold a few worn star shirts and jeans, but that's as far as I'm going to go with that one. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, I don't know uh, if it's, if it's photos, if it's um, just a video you're putting out there, if it's what I mean, you just got to be ready to, to know that, 
there's a crook around every corner or somebody that just wants to uh, like your work or like your photo and just want to repost it as them. I had a weird one a few years ago, a guy um, overseas somewhere. I don't even know where he was, honestly, but um, he stole some uh, uh, social distortion uh, photos I had and was posting them. And, and he would literally, it was the weirdest shit ever because he would like post them and be, it was like, oh, this is when I was hanging out with Mike Ness, you know, uh, two years ago and whatever. And Wow, straight up lying about it. Yeah, yeah. So I like uh, I sent the guy a message. I was like, hey, man, thanks for liking my photo enough to repost it. But, you know, you could credit me or whatever. Instantly blocked. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just right away. So then I have another account. So I hit him with another one again. That one got blocked. So then I had, you know, Eric, my buddy, I had him send one. And uh, it's, it's you know, you send um, Instagram, uh, they have a whole thing where you can file something. But, you know, if, if you put it out there, just be ready, basically, long story short, just be ready for somebody's taking your shit, basically. And pretending and they were they there. Wow, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's odd. All right, David Cathy's got a question for us. He says, name a couple of bands that led you down the path to rock and metal. I'm old school, so it started with the Beatles, then on to Zeppelin, and then Kiss, and the rest is history. Hmm. I'll go Motley Crue on that one. Motley Crue is, um, even though we just spent a few minutes talking about you know albums we like and dislike of theirs, but they're really, when I was coming up, um, I would say them and like Rat, and, uh, and to this day, I'll still listen to Rat. But I find it harder and harder to listen to Molly Crew as you know the years go on. I don't really venture back much into their catalog, I guess. But they really pretty much set me on my path of, I guess, where I'm at. Right on. That's a hell of a place to start, I guess. For me, I'd probably have to say my dad's albums. You know, listening to his Sabbath and Zeppelin, and he had some Doors albums and even some Beach Boys and stuff. And he had a pretty good mix of good hard rock metal, and then and then it was me discovering Kiss off my aunts and uncles, and then it was Kiss is really what led to all the other bands that I like. Yeah, uh, and I guess I mean I could give credit to my dad for Beatles and Stones and stuff, but that kind of came later on for me. So I was an MTV kid for sure. So like well, I was like one of the only kids in my neighborhood to have cable. In, in the early 80s when MTV was getting its start. So MTV kind of introduced me to hard rock to start with. So I would have to say Twisted Sister. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the was a, was a, I Want to Rock, We're Not Going to Take It. Those videos were a big deal to me. And also even before that, I guess I'd have to say the door opener was kind of Quiet Riot, Come On, Feel the Noise. Uh, yeah. The, the video for that used to get played a hell of a lot, and that was right when I first got MTV, and I remember really falling in love with that song and the sound of, like, anthemic rock music. So it's funny. I'm not really a big fan of either band overall, but I got to give Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister a lot of credit for getting me in into that genre. So you're saying you used to watch Footloose a lot, basically. Oh, I, dude, I, I to this day, I have the Footloose soundtrack on the <laughs> I'm not going to lie, dude, too. <laughs> wow. That oh, was yeah. pretty awesome at the time. Yeah, I was into, well, even, yeah, like I said, before Quiet Riot and Twisted Sister, I was into Michael Jackson and a lot of the pop stuff, too. Yeah, me too. Yeah. We all was, were, man. I mean, I yeah, all about the everyone loved when MTV was the shit, right? Yeah. 
Right on. Uh, Brian Lee Hecht wants to know three songs that Kiss never plays live, but you wish they would. God, I don't Do know. Stop at three. I don't have an answer for that. Like current Kiss, but like all time. I sure would have loved to see him do Rocket Ride. That'd be good. That would be my number one. Um, and I don't think they have they ever played Rocket Ride live. I no, there's I no. Sure I mean, Ace has so. done it solo, but never the band. Yeah, um, sure. No, something. Did they ever do that live? I think so. Other than Unplug, no. See, I'm on board be with that because I am an Unmasked fan. So that's Dynasty. I'm on, I'm, uh, is it? You're right. It is. <laughs> Yeah, the lose kiss cred right there. Um, you have to say ten hail Gene Simmons before you. Get to I will do that before I go to bed. Um, <laughs> let me see. I would say, do they? They don't. They don't do Domino, do they? They used to. Do they do it now? On like, oh, no, never. I yeah, hate that. That'd be weird to see Come Gene on. doing <laughs> Domino in full oh, costume. Yeah, I have no love for Domino. What about the songs off Killers? I'd like to see them. Yeah, I, if I had to pick mine, I would. Nowhere to Run would be one. Yeah. Um, a Million to One would be one. Oh, yeah. And Charisma. That would be pretty awesome to see live. Yeah. In a time machine 20 years ago. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Jason Campbell wants to know, you can have either Gene or Paul on the show, but you're only allowed to ask one question, and they will answer honestly. What do you ask them? Oh, fuck. That is a <laughs> tough question right there. Holy shit. Wow. Aaron, you go first. <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I, now I'm imagining myself standing in front of Gene Simmons going, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't know what I would ask either one of them. I don't you know go either. For, do you go for the juicy controversy question, or do you go for something you generally want to like, know? Tell us some Vinnie Vincent stories. Yeah, well, that's a that's that's more than one question. Either way you go, you're not going to get any kind Tell of answer. Tell us the worst Vinnie Vincent story. Ugh. I could go for that. The controversial one, and it's not like we're going to get Gene on the show anytime soon. Would be like, what happened with Eric Carr's health insurance at the end of his life? But I wouldn't. Uh, that would be a hard one. That would be. Uh, hard. I think I'd rather go with tell me the craziest Ace Frehley story. Yeah, I don't uh, even think they could name that. See, a lot of the stuff, I don't know that they were, they have that good of memories. It's like one of those things where we get better answers out of somebody like Gary Corbett than we do out of Paul and Gene. You know? I don't I don't know that we would get anything of substance out of either of them. And I mean, the fact is they've done so many interviews and written so many books and things like that at this point. I mean, I'm sure if I pondered on it for a while, and this is really something we should do, and have these questions at least in our head for in the instance that we ever run into Gene or Paul somewhere that we could, you know, ask the question and not sit there and go, I don't know what to even ask this guy. I can think of two offhand that I would ask Paul. Gene's a little harder. But for Paul, the first one would be, why did you think it was a good idea to have your psychotherapist become your manager? Because he wound up running off with millions of dollars. And two... What exactly is going on with your voice and why are you lip syncing? Wow. Yeah. So I just Way put the go, nail Bubba in the coffin or getting that interview. Yeah, no kidding. That's never going <laughs> to happen, no. It, it wasn't going to happen anyway. No. Nope. Mike, what would you ask him? 
I don't even know where I would start with those guys. I'm I'm kind of on on uh, par with Chris there. I would kind of be the asshole and and ask uh, what's the deal with the tracks on his vocals. But you're not going to get that kind of answer, you know. So I don't know. I would maybe Gene. Um, what gave you the idea, or why did you think that Family Jewels was a good idea? I don't. Know. <laughs> you or know Tom the Goodfell. answer to that. They paid me. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing with Gene. Anytime you ask that guy a question, it's going to come down to dollars, you know? Yep. All right, Chris. Well, I mean, we've gotten to this time in the show when I guess, you know, played a little trick on you a couple of weeks ago, so it's time to reveal something to you. This is actually an Ugly Kid Joe intervention on your behalf, and that's why Mike's here today. And so, yeah, yeah. So the next question comes from Aaron Camaro, and it's from Metal Mike. Why the hell won't Ugly Kid Joe play in the United States? You're asking me? No. Why would I, yeah, I, why would I ask I you I have no that? idea. I have no idea. You know, like, you and I talk all the time about this kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I was on board with your conspiracy theory. Like, we're going, we're going conspiracy theory on this, Chris. So, Ugly Kid Joe hates Trump. Well, no, I'm talking, they might, but I'm talking about the one you had where, like, Whitfield Crane is, like, wanted or something. You know, it's a possibility, I guess, like, if he's got yeah. warrants for him in yeah. the United States. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's the only thing that makes sense, so I'm rolling with that. It's like, well, it's like, you play everywhere else but the States, so maybe you're not supposed to be here. I don't know. Can huh. I give the non-fan answer? Go ahead. We want to hear it. There's no demand here for them. I see, I, and on that, I don't buy that because of all of these, like, um, I don't know, say like the Wimmer Presents festivals, all these bands on all these festivals, they can't get a slot on there. You know what I mean? Well, I talked to Aaron about this probably about a year ago, where I'm like, I'm not a big Ugly Kid Joe fan. I mean, I've I've learned to respect them more just from my friendship with Aaron, but I will say it's been long enough now to where I think the nostalgia card could be played and they probably mm-hmm. could do pretty well. So I don't other than that, I'm not, not really sure why they don't do it. I just think there's a bigger demand overseas and they, they get a bigger check. But I they mean, could pull they could pull off a tour here and probably do okay. Oh yeah. I mean, because like it, it cracks me up because you say the name, you get laughed at, ridiculed, whatever, blah blah blah. I don't care. I'm I'm 43 years old, dude. I really, I've listened to all the jokes, all the naysayers, whatever. Yeah. I've heard it all. I mean, like the Stairway to Hell EP was solid. Yes. Great. The the last album they put out is solid. Real I mean, solid. So, yeah. So, I don't know. It's because it's the same thing as with so many, so many bands, you know, and you got people like us, people that listen to the show, people that are part of the whole rock podcast community who are in the know that know their shit. And then you got everybody else that's just, you know, passers by to the music that we love and to the passers by, which is the majority. They only know the peripheral stuff like I hate everything about you and the cover of Cats in the Cradle. Yeah, and they know nothing of the magic and the majesty of Ugly Kid Joe. <laughs> so many good songs. It bums me out. Like when when you do say Ugly Kid Joe, is that is that that band on the beach that hates everything? Yeah, I remember them from Wayne's World. That's although it was kind of 
it was kind of amazing that that song was a hit to start with, considering the time that it came out. That's what you I'm know, saying. Uh, that was the coolest thing because I remember skipping school and going to my buddy Danny's house, and he had the MTV, and they'd be counting down like these are the top video rock videos of the week, and it would be like Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots and Soundgarden and Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were they were the oddball for sure. Yeah, yeah, all I, I can band. say is it, it, the you know naysayers be who you be, whatever. Uh, if you check out the the EP from like 2012 or um, which is uh, what Stairway to Hell, but the like the last album they put out, you cannot listen to that and be listening to Decibel Geek podcast. Basically, you, I mean, if you're here, you're into this genre of music. There's no way you can tell me that that album is not good and they could not be playing festivals here. I mean, well, I, I think they always played up the comedy angle, which they did. I, I think it to might have detriment. been that might have been good at the time, but it, it's hurting them in the long run because the Stairway to Hell EP, I mean, has like a lot of great like ACDC influence on it. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, Whitfield sounds like Bon Scott on half that record, you know. For sure, I'll take it one further. I say you could pick up any album that has the words ugly kid joe across the top of it and play it and you're going to find some stuff on there that you're going to love so if you Something. only if you only know the band from them two songs you know give it a shot because i'm telling you this is one of my favorite all-time bands and i know it seems weird to say you know top 3 american rock bands of all time ugly kid joe makes that list and for me they do and for metal mike they do too so take our advice Give it a shot. I know you're going to love it. Seek out some of that weird shit that came out in like the late 90s that nobody bought. That's some good stuff, too. Motel California. Yeah. Best to sobriety. Yeah. So what do you think, Chris? You like our new podcast, the Ugly Kid he Joe just, cast? He just hung up on us. I, I hope you guys are very happy to go. <laughs> we are. We, we are. will be. <laughs> as long oh, as we okay. get to talk about Ugly Kid Joe all episode every week. Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't know if I can get on board with that. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Darren Falconer wants to know, which album did you love on release but can't stand now? I'm going <laughs> to go back to Chris's answer a while back and say Dr. Feelgood. Yeah, that that one might go. I don't know if I can't stand it now, but another one that would fall in line with it, and I, and I hate to say this as a Kiss fan, but Kiss Revenge. I mean, I, I love... I love Unholy and a couple other songs, but I think that album has not aged well, and I think I think it got overhyped to this day. I think it's overrated. I do, too. Yeah, it's hard to argue that because, I mean, it's the nostalgia, I think, of Kiss coming back and being cool. You know, they're not wearing the flashy colors and the pastels and the neons and all that no more. They're, they're a metal-looking band. You know, they look cool. And so that album comes out. It's, it's badass, and it's got Unholy. You know, Unholy mm-hmm. makes that whole album. Oh, like, it's the best song. Unholy is such a good song. It drags the rest of Revenge up. That's why it's regarded so highly. When it first came out, I loved it. Maybe everything, most everything. I didn't really like the ballad. But most of that album, I really, really loved it in the time that it came out. Now, like you said, it's it's Unholy and a handful of other ones on there, but it's not really... It's not really a complete album by any means, I wouldn't say. Not for I'll me. Take, I'll take Crazy Nights over Revenge. No, I don't know. I won't go that, that far. <laughs> <laughs> That's my ugly kid, Joe. 
<laughs> hey, you know we've had this talk before. Like, you know, I, I am a Crazy Nights fan too. So, but I don't. I, I'll, I'll go Revenge, even though it is overrated. I, I would go Revenge over Crazy Nights. Yeah, me too. On the strength of Unholy. That's what but that's saw. why. But that's why Chris is the number one Kiss fan in the land. Oh, thank you. We all we all know it's a heavy burden. <laughs> Somebody's got to do that, man. <laughs> This one comes to us from Gear Gulickson. He wants to know, top five live albums. Do we got time? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's a that's a rough one, but yeah. Kiss Alive. Yeah, Kiss Alive. That go on all yeah, three? Yeah, but that's a, that's, that, that's a given, isn't it? Yeah, that's per, I figured that was, that's all three for us on that one for sure. Um, Thin Lizzy, Live and Dangerous. Uh, Ted News yeah, at Double many. Live Gonzo. Oh, that's badass. About uh, Ramon Ramones, it's alive. That's a, a Lizzie that's Borden, the murderous metal roadshow. Going to um, Clutch Earth Rocker Live. Oh yeah, man! There's so many. Priest Live '86, recorded mm. in Kansas City. Wow, uh, that's a hard one. The I, ACDC hard Live album that came out when I was a teenager. I forget what that was called. Was it just ACDC Live? No. Yeah, I think, I think so. I'm not a big fan of live albums, to be honest with you. I'm not either, but uh, I'll go. Um, I'll go way back with uh, ZZ Top live in Germany. That's mm. nice. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard that one. Yeah, it's I, from like 1979. I'll bring up. A, I'll bring up an oddball. The uh, the Black Oak Arkansas live vinyl I gave you, Aaron, recently. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, there's so but, many, so many great but, live albums. But I don't know. I'm going to end up forgetting something that's, like, amazing. And, UFO? Well, yeah, I know. UFO I mean, Strangers of the Night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Got to have that on there for sure. That's one oh, of the all-time greats. Uh, Black Sabbath Live uh, with Dio. Uh, what was that one was called? I can't remember the name of it now. I own it, and I don't know the name of it. I've had too much to Live at Last? No, that's the one with Ozzy. Well, Ozzy was Speak of the Devil. Yeah, that was his solo album. See, that's a good one, too. Ozzy with Randy Rhodes doing all them old Sabbath tunes mixed in on the set. One I do go back to a lot is uh, Social Distortion Live at the Roxy. I heard that one. That's a a good one. And then for Aaron, or not Aaron, this would be more for Chris. I'd say uh, Live Era. 87 to 93 Guns N' Roses. Mm. <laughs> I like that one. That's that's I damn do too, good too. Man. I do too. You and your Guns N' Roses. It's know, really right? good. If if you dig live albums, you really should check that one out because it's it's a double CD thing and there's a shit ton of songs on there and it's all the best recordings. I don't think it's one concert. I think it's them picking and choosing the very best. So Oh yeah, it's it's a mismatch, man. This is a weird one, but um when Kiss put out a limited live thing from the Psycho Circus tour. Did you guys ever hear that? Mm-mm. It's actually, I hate Psycho Circus, but the tour thing is really good. Hmm. No, I never knew that one. What's it's that actually called? Set, I can't remember. It's, it's like Psycho Circus live tour edition or something. I can't remember the name of it, but it's really, really well done. I also like Kiss Alive 2 and Kiss Alive 3. Yeah, I like. I, I remember getting Kiss Alive 3 as a gift from my girlfriend at the time on release day. So that was kind of a good memory. I'd say, um, 
Pantera Live 101. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, I used to. I played the shit out of that record. Yeah, that's a good one. So many. That could be a whole There's- show unto itself for sure. Well, we did do, we did that show with Luke Carl. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. So, yeah, reference that. Yes. Uh, let's see. Nayrand Kavura is back. He wants to know which band's publicity photos hindered them. Oh, man. I saw that earlier. I didn't even know where to start with that one. I would say <sighs> compared to what they look like and what they sounded like, I'd say Cinderella. Well, isn't, I think isn't kind of winger the quintessential band of that because they were the ones like when when Mike Judge is looking for somebody for Beavis and Butthead to make fun of, <laughs> yeah, he opens up the metal edge and yeah. the band he sees is winger and he goes, "That's them." He's not hearing a yeah. note of the music, you know. Yeah, yeah, of course. Looking back now, you could say that about every band from that era, yeah. you know, because there's only a handful that are still around that are you know doing anything worthwhile. So. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one that um, came to mind immediately just because of what I've been currently listening to. I've really been on a Shotgun Messiah kick lately, and oh. they were before they were Shotgun Messiah. They were called Kingpin, right? And did you guys ever see the cover for Welcome to Bop City? <laughs> no, no. Whoa! They kind of uh, got the Nitro Pretty Boy Floyd thing going on, right? Yes, it's like it's one of the worst promotional photos ever. But then by the time they became Shotgun Messiah, they were pretty damn cool looking. Yeah, they looked, they looked like a rock band then. But yeah. boy, if you look at that Kingpin album cover, oh, it's really embarrassing. I think number one for me is easily Enough's Enough. I could see that. I think yeah. they got hurt by their band photos. Had they not dressed up in all the you know pastel neon colors and had hot those pink. weird videos, the hot pink and all that stuff, if they'd have just dressed down and been just a you know just a cool looking band, they could have probably survived that whole thing. But I think it's their look. Therefore, that answers the question. You know, it hindered them because it put enough enough into a, a bracket that they really didn't belong in. And when it was time for that to be cleaned out, which we know that's what ended up happening and grunge was ushered in, then Enough's Enough was on the wrong side of that. So I think the way they dressed on them first two albums really, really hurt them bad. I think it suited them, though, at the time, you know? Well, yeah, Yeah, I mean, mean, they they picked up their clothes, you know. I think Donnie V told us the story for the video. They were just let loose inside this costume shop, and they said, put something together. And they're just young, dumb kids, so they're dressing up stupid, you know. And then it's time for the video, and it's like you look back on it and go, oh, man. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's why we went the way of Tough and all them other bands. But they were, I mean, they were kind of what you would call today a tweener band where – you know the songs themselves are Beatlesque, but you've got Derek Frigo, who was an amazing guitar player. But Derek Frigo came from the Shredder type of vibe, you know. And, and like even Donnie told us in the interview that, you know, if it were up to him, I think he loved Derek, but at the same time he didn't think Derek was the right type of player for what they were doing. But at the same time, Derek's doing all these widdly widdly guitar solos, which is what was in vogue. So right. who's to say that they don't get any attention if Derek Frigo is not in that band? That's you know? very true, yeah. But I don't know. They were. I mean, enough's enough. I always thought it was never cast the right way. But uh, 
But yeah, I mean, those are all good answers in my opinion. Because I mean, I look at pictures of the band like on the album Tweaked, and they're just dressed like you know they they look like rock stars, but they're not all neon, and they look yeah. normal and cool. And I think if they would have had look if they looked like this on the first album, just the in their their photo shoots and stuff, I think they could have survived and would have ended up probably having some big hits. I'll tell you what, though, when Enough's Enough came out, when new thing was a video i got into them over because of their look because i was into a lot of the glam stuff at the time so i was like speaking for myself i gave them more of a chance because of their image at the time even though it's embarrassing to admit now that's a good point um but yeah i because like oh they look like a new band so but i mean i i get both sides of that yeah, that's a real good point because that I, I got into enough enough in that era too, so it didn't scare me away. I just, I don't know. It's nice to speculate and say, man, you know, this band is so good. Why didn't they make it big? There must be a reason, you know. Try to figure it out. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, here's a question from Mike. It's from Andrew Jacobs. Instagram, yay or nay? Well, obviously, <laughs> I'm going to say yay. Yeah, because Mike loves Facebook. Yeah, I I know, right? I'm the holdout. Um, Oh, my God. (laughs) I give Mike so much shit on a regular basis for not signing up for Facebook. Technically, technically I am on Facebook because, I mean, they own Instagram now. So, But, yeah, I'd say yay on that. Um, I just like the – I just dig the platform, you know, especially for what I do. There's so many times where Mike will say, hey, did you hear about XYZ? And I'll be like, yeah, we've talked about it on Facebook for a week now. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) But that's what I have you for, man. Uh, Yeah. Awesome. Keeps you in a job. Right. Giving you the straight dope. Yeah. All right. Victor Ruiz, he wants to know, who was the most difficult person to shoot? Um... I saw that one too, and I would have to say 100% Buckethead. For Why? Sure. Because uh, it was one of those deals where he's a weird, weird dude, and um, for whatever reason, he wants you to. It's a big laundry list of stuff, but basically, it's uh, soundboard shots only. It's completely black in there. Like you go to uh, my Instagram, which is MDG Rockpicks. But uh, if you go there and check that out, like I have a, like I posted one the other day, and I don't even know how I got that photo to work because, I mean, a guy that wears a Michael Myers mask basically and a KFC bucket on your on his head doesn't really want you to look at him. It's the weirdest shit ever. But I would say. I would say him for sure because, wow. like I said, you're way back at the soundboard. If you don't show up equipped with a pretty good zoom limbs, which I didn't, and I borrowed one from a, a buddy of mine that was at the show. But, yeah, it's pitch black. There's a couple red lights, which are terrible too. And um, I don't know, man. Uh, he was the hardest person to him, and uh, I would say Manson for sure because, you know, Shooting Manson's kind of like shooting Guar. You kind of should show up with like uh, 
some plastic to wear because he's just going to try to spit at you if you if you got a good angle on him. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's terrible. It's fucking terrible. I, you know, I remember I the first no time. I had no idea I, photography was like this. <laughs> it, yeah, man. It's like combat. Like I shot um, I shot Guar a couple years ago. It was uh, Guar and Doyle up here in Louisville. And, uh, you know, I show up. No big deal. It's, I'm not thinking anything about it. I was there to shoot Doyle, and um, I got some great shots from that show. And then when Guar comes on, I'm like, well, I'm going to go up there. Well, I go up to the you know, the photo pit, and I show up, and everybody's wearing, like, plastic rain gear. <laughs> <laughs> and I just show up, and I'm just like, okay, what what's going on? There was a guy in there with a fucking umbrella, Whoa. and it was like, yeah. And they just kind of looked at me. And so, did you have no idea like, why? Was this your no, first bar show? I had no, I had zero fucking idea. <laughs> so, so here I am. I show up. There's like four other people there, and they all look at me, give me the same look. And uh, sure enough, I'm like, okay, whatever. I don't, you know, is there a storm coming out? I don't know what's going on. Yes. <laughs> so. They come out and sure as shit, man, it's the lights kick on and just this red shit just starts shooting out everywhere. And I'm like, oh, okay, I see what's going on here. And then I was just drenched. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I snapped off a couple shots. My, I have very few to to pick from, and I got the fuck out of there, man. That I, is so funny. I was very unprepared. So. <laughs> so next time I'll go with uh, rubber boots and a rubber suit and an umbrella and a plastic bag over my camera, maybe. That's a great <laughs> idea. Yeah, I was scared that this was gonna story was going to end with a ruined camera. No, close. But, you know, the funny thing is, is uh, the next day I was coming home from the day job and uh, I stopped at a, a gas station up here by my house and. I walked in to get I, – I bought – I don't know. I bought something. I go up to the counter to pay for it, and there's this guy there, and he's got like a shaved head and big gauged ears and everything. And he's just got these stained red streaks down his face. <laughs> I just kind of looked at him. And I was like, you were at Guar last night? He was like, yeah, man, yeah. I was like, yeah, I can tell. That's so, cool. Yeah, man. And then as far as Manson, man, it's just kind of one of those things. If you if you want to take a chance and getting some somebody else's spit on you, man, go for it. I don't I don't know. I, I try to steer clear. I've got a couple good shots of that guy, but he's hard to shoot. There's a lot of smoke, a lot of darkness, and a lot of spit. So spitting at you the whole time. That's crazy. Pretty much. Wow. Pretty much. I don't even know I don't even know why he approves you to be in there, basically. So he can spit at you. Basically. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. All right. Our buddy Lee McCormick wants to know, are there any memorable candid rock star photos that Mike has taken, like uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll? Wink, wink. Yeah. um, The Don Juan of this this stuff, Lee McCormick, right? (laughs) Um, I would say, no, I don't have too many. Um the times that I, I've could have snapped off stuff, I mean, I'm, I may have some stuff here and there, but but not much. I mean, most of my stuff shot on the stage, you know what I mean, or from the pit. So, and, and if I was around and 
some of that stuff was going on, I'm not going to incriminate anybody. And that's my answer for keep approving me for shooting your shells. Shit, yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric Lucier wants to know, when you were teens, what did you imagine the future would be like in the rock world? Or should I say, how would rock evolve? And what you hear now, is it what you expected? That's a hard one to answer. Uh, yeah, because when I was a teenager, it was just like, rock and roll is going to live forever, you know, and it's never going to oh. die. And, you know, um, now it's like, totally oh boy, flipped, you know? isn't it? I didn't really think about it, to be honest with you. I mean, I it was more of living in the moment at those yeah. days. But I, I guess once grunge came in, I you know that was a big sea change in how everything was going. So, I mean, you could see how things would the the apple cart would get upset, as they say. But I didn't really like. I and even when grunge came in, I was still supporting bands like Dokken and Poison and bands like that. So. I didn't really see those bands going away. I just viewed it as, oh, this, these grunge bands are in addition to those bands. So um, I'll just I'll claim naive, naivete for that. That's a big word like gymnasium. But uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't see it. I certainly didn't see it the way it is now. I had no idea. No, you just don't think about it while you're living it, and especially if you think it's going to be around forever. Yeah. Which I guess it still is. I mean, rock's not dead. It's not gone. And there are plenty of young new bands, you know, coming out. So, you know, I don't know. It's it's not big like it was. I could never imagine that MTV would stop playing music. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. You know, no, I didn't that kinda, either. That kind of um, sucks. Still to this day. Yeah, it does. And, and, like, when we were all coming up, I mean, it was like every day you go home and watch um, – I don't know what was what was it then like dial MTV or some shit like that. For the most part, it was all like stuff we listened to back then, and now it's just like I don't even. I mean, is it even still a channel, or is it just? Yeah, but it's not not music. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's. But even at that, imagine if they said tomorrow we're going back to music, we're going back to music videos, we're going to be the MTV that we used to be. How horrible! It's too late. How horrible is the music that they're actually going to be playing on it now? Well, for one, it's going to be horrible, and for two, I think it's too late. I mean, because you can, you know, you can pull up YouTube and see anything you want at any time you want. You know, so yeah, YouTube is MTV now, pretty much, pretty much at your fingertips. You know, I can watch any video that I saw on Headbangers Ball back in the day right now right here. Yeah, I mean if if they came back and said that hey, Saturday night we're going to start doing Headbangers Ball again, I mean I would definitely tune in for that, you know. Yeah, for sure. But uh yeah, I mean I think they should. I mean, really, but instead of telling me what 15-year-old's pregnant and having their 17th kid, <laughs> you, you know, I mean, I don't yeah. even know if that's even still a show anymore. But if they came back and said, like, Headbangers Ball was coming back, I, I would tune in for that. But I think it's just too late for that, that whole medium anymore. Yeah. Brian Davis wants to know, has Mike run into Hall of Fame pitcher Randy Jackson at shows? Randy's post-baseball career is photography, and he's a huge rock fan. Randy Johnson. Getting Randy Johnson yeah. stories, Mike? I do not. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, let's see. Mick Watkins, what order would you rank the Ace Fraley solo albums from least favorite to favorite? 
Oh, boy. I got mine together. I thought about it. This is a great Uh, question. It's very difficult to do this. Not for me. Just go backwards in the order. Not necessarily. The way they were released. Not necessarily. So I looked at it like this, not counting the cover albums, not counting the live album. There's seven studio albums. So here's how I rank them. You can tell me if if I'm right or wrong. At number seven, second sighting. Yeah. Number six, Spaceman. Number five, Anomaly. Number four, Fraley's Comet. Number three, Space Invader. Number two, Trouble Walking. And number one, of course, 78. I would I would agree with you, but I would switch out Space Invader for Fraley's Comet. Yeah. Other than that, I can live with that. On. I'm with you on your one and two, exact. I have... Um... The 77 solo album, I have Trouble Walking, Fraley's Comet at three, and from there you can just put any Ace Fraley album after that in any order. It doesn't really matter to me. All right. Well, you guys are close. My answer is correct. (laughs) Next question. James West wants to know, flat out best concert each of you have ever seen. Doesn't matter what style of music. I got a tie for mine. Paul McCartney at Bridgestone Arena, and I went with my mother, but it was still the best show I've ever seen. Nice. You're a good boy. Uh, dude, I mean, and I've seen several Kiss shows. He blew all of them away. Yeah, but did you see several Kiss shows with your mom? No. Well, that's no probably part of it then. It was, but, but Paul McCartney, and this is Paul McCartney at age like 70, and he was amazing. Nice. That's cool. I'll go with um, Metallica on the Black Album Tour uh, here in Louisville in 1992 for the top one. Uh, Yeah. I kind of went with, when I I read this question, uh, when I look back at them, they're kind of from my more formative years, I guess, because I would go with this, and then after this, I would say the Dr. Feelgood Tour in 90. And... Since then, well, not since I've been shooting shows since then, but, you know, those are the two most memorable. And, uh, you know, when I go to shows now, it's just like I don't even see shows anymore. I'm I'm there and taking pictures, and then I bounce. You know what I mean? So, but Metallica, the Black Album, I would say was my top one. I left school one day. I think I was like uh, a sophomore, maybe, something like somewhere around there. Didn't have tickets. Day of the show, a buddy of mine and myself, we decided to go. We went to the local, like, Ticketron or whatever it was called. Yeah. Bought tickets. Ended up being, like, six row from the stage. Oh, wow. Yeah, just bought them that day. And uh, that, that, that was a great show, man. Who was the opening acts on that one? Uh, it was just Metallica. Oh, it was just Metallica, right on. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Motley Crue, the Dr. Feelgood tour, it was supposed to be... Uh, that was actually my first show. It the was Metallica supposed to be. Was? What's that? The Metallica was the first show. No, the Molly Crew oh, okay. on the Doctor Feelgood in uh, 1990. It was uh, supposed to be Faster Pussycat opening, but it ended up being Lita Ford. But whatever. That one was cool because I had shitty seats, but those shitty seats ended up being pretty good because you know Tommy had that that drum set on the track that yeah. went up over the crowd, and he like came right past i mean he was probably i don't know 15 feet from me nice 
Yeah, and and Vince actually sounded good. <laughs> so I'll go with those two. That's awesome. I always love hearing about other people's concert stories, especially about bands I've never got to see. I was trying to narrow mine down, and I got three, four-ish, I think. Uh, Kiss, July 13th, 1996, in St. Paul, Minneapolis, or Minnesota. Uh, that was the first show I seen Kiss on the reunion tour, and the first time I ever seen Kiss in makeup. So that one's always probably going to be number one. Um, Ozfest, July 21st, 1997, at Alpine Valley. So many great bands. Pantera on down the line. Black Sabbath. I'd have been a Black Sabbath fan since I was listening to my dad's records when I was a little kid. So in 97, I finally got to see them. And then another one was Enough's Enough. It was May 31st and June 1st, two days in a row in 1996, at the Funeral for the Whale at the Thirsty Whale Famous Club in Chicago. And they were shutting it down. They were going to turn it into a McDonald's parking lot, gas station, something. It was really a bummer because you could see how much that place meant to the people that were from there. I mean, we drove all the way down from north central Wisconsin to be at this show. And, uh, man, it was cool. I'll never forget that one. And uh, I'd say guar probably every time. Especially when you're right up front and you can laugh at the unsuspecting photographers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> good times. Hey, you know what? One I'll take back to earlier. Um, them Crooked Vultures, man, uh, in Indianapolis. I think it was like 19 or no, it was 2000, 2000, I don't know, whatever year that album came out. 2006, seven, whatever, somewhere around there. Because I mean, you had like Led Zeppelin. Nirvana and Queens of the Stone Age right there on yeah. stage. You know, I never got to see Nirvana, so I have Dave Grohl like 30 feet away from me playing that green kit, just bashing the shit out of it, and John Paul Jones playing some fucking, I don't even know what the hell the thing was. That was a great show, you know. I bet. Yeah, and who knows if that'll ever happen again, so at least I can say I saw that. That's yeah. cool, man. I'd love to see them live. Only seen videos. That's a great band. Uh, let's see. James West has got another one. He wants to know, best new podcast each person has discovered since the lockdown started. You guys discover anything new uh, recently? Mostly, mostly what I've listened to is the old standbys, you know, Covers and Fire, uh, District of Columbia. I mean, Di- Diabolus, a podcastic. Uh, dip. Yeah. And dip. Um, <laughs> there is a one cool one that I... That I discovered recently. It's I can't remember. It's called Wind of Change and the Scorpions, Scorpions podcast. Ballad podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a it, it's a podcast based on the conspiracy theory that the CIA wrote the Scorpion song Wind of Change to help with diplomatic relations with Russia. You wow. have to send me a link to that. It's really good. I've only gotten a few episodes in, but it's really inter- interesting. I don't believe it, but it's really entertaining. Like I'll we, go. Uh, what, what's our podcast going to be about? Well, what if the CIA <laughs> wrote the Scorpion? They, wait, wait, what? Yeah, no, I'm yeah, serious. But if you listen to it, there's a lot of examples they give of the CIA actually getting in the middle of popular music and pushing political agendas. So it's really not that far out of the realm of possibility. And that uh, song was the total soundtrack for all that stuff back then. Oh yeah, that's it's their biggest song to this day. Wow. They made a deal with the devil, literally. Yeah. 
Um, I don't think I've really listened to nothing new. I haven't had as much time here in these last few weeks to listen to as many podcasts as I liked. But today, it was Saturday, and I got stuck going into work. I did get a few hours to listen to some podcasts, so I caught up on the Cobras and Fire, and they did the uh, Hot in the Shade, breaking the album, and That's it's good. pretty great. Those guys yeah, are like pretty awesome, parts, and I really love that episode. Yeah. Two-parter. So if you're a KISS fan, you got to check that out. It's very cool. But otherwise, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to get some time here soon. Uh, James also wants to know, favorite author for each person. Are you guys fans of Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft books and movies, and what are your favorites? Uh, he's assuming we know how to read. I was just yeah. going to say, I never Don learned how. for me. Um. I was really big into Stephen King when I was growing up. I yeah, read a ton of his books in high school. Um, as far as fiction reading, I don't really do it anymore. So um, anything I read now is usually a biography on a band or an artist. So um, I'm yeah. kind of boring that way. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you read or do you listen? Uh, I try to do audio. You know that's morphed, right? Everybody says they read a book, but they listen yeah. to it. Yeah, I try to do audio books if I can because it's yeah. easier. Um, the, the last one I completed was Steve Gorman's Black Crows book, which is That's really fantastic. It's really entertaining. Yeah, yeah, I've heard good things about that. Um, I like choose your own adventure books. You've lost me there. You don't you know don't what a choose those? your own adventure book is? Not really. What? No, oh. I just learned to read like three years ago. <laughs> Choose your own adventure books were these books that came out when we were kids that you would start on page one and it'd start telling the story. You get to page two and it's telling the story. You get to page three and at the end it goes, now, do you want to do this? Turn to page six. If you want to do this, turn to page nine. And then you'd skip to wherever it told you to go and then it would keep going from there and then it would ask you another question and you'd get to the point where you'd either finish the book or you'd die trying yeah, I wait for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I think they are making a movie of that, aren't they? Probably. <laughs> All right, uh, let's see. Favorite video games ever. You guys got favorite video games besides Tecmo Bowl? Uh, well, yeah, Tecmo Bowl is kind of a given. Yeah. Um, I'll go yeah. Golden, GoldenEye on Nintendo 64. That was a good one. Um I go back to the Atari days, Zaxxon, Pitfall, uh, Pac-Man, Donkey Kong. But then I got into Duck Hunt, Mario. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, yeah. Wizards and Warriors. But yeah, all, anything pre-1990 I liked. Punch-Out. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Punch-Out I loved. I don't know. I bust me out some WWE 2K19. Not 20, but 19 I'll play. I'm totally shocked. Me too. They're not even coming out with a new WWE game this year. Really? Are you, yeah. you going to be okay? Yeah, because I'm playing the 2019 version because the 2020 version sucks so bad. So many <laughs> glitches. It freezes up over and over again. They rushed to release it, and it sucks bad. Well, that's fitting for this year, isn't it? Yeah. Everybody sits in the locker room six feet apart. <laughs> Coronamania. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, what's your favorite rock photograph that you've taken? Adam Cox wants to know. Oh, man. Um, I've seen a bunch of your stuff. I like all your photos. You get some of the best ones, especially up close. 
Thanks. You seem um, to really catch some just amazing shots. Uh, that's such a hard question. You ain't got one that you looked at and said, this is the greatest photograph I've ever taken. Well, I have a, I have a few, uh, I like, I know I've mentioned like Doyle from the misfits a few times. Um, I have a ton of great shots of that dude and I'm kind of got something in the works there that should be coming out with him. Um, but I'm still waiting on the word of that one. But I've got a ton of those. Man, I don't know. That's that's almost impossible to answer. Yeah, uh, I'd say even if we spread out every picture you'd ever taken, I bet you we'd still have a hard time whittling it down. Well, yeah, and then like the only reason I mentioned that one is because I, I, like I said, as of right now, kind of got something kind of cooking, you know. So that's at the forefront of my mind. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've got some. Sorry, who, who asked that question? Well, just keep us keep us updated on what you got going on, so we can let everybody know. Yeah, for sure, I will. Who who right asked on. that question, Adam Cox? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Sorry, Adam. Go through my my Instagram or my my uh, website or whatever, and you tell me. I don't I don't know. I've got a lot of photos, man. Uh, but I would say, as of right now, that would be one my right. my top. Nice. All right, here's another one for you. Andrew Jacobs wants to know question for Mike. Who have been some of your favorite rockers to photograph, and who have been some of your not-so-favorite rockers to photograph? Well, that's almost a little bit redundant. Uh, <laughs> we've covered quite a bit, but yeah. I would say um, I have a lot of favorites because I've met a lot of co- Most people are super cool and um, let you know when you get some cool shots, you know, uh, as far as the ones that are a pain in the ass or like I haven't liked dealing with, uh, it's no stranger to Decibel Geek, but I, I'll say Sebastian Bach. No. Uh, shots fired. But um, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, I've had multiple, like a few run ins like with that, and um, you've talked about it before. But that dude, it's like I have a love hate relationship. Well, well, I don't gonna say hate. I have a love not like relationship with that guy. We all do. Yeah, I mean, it's like one of my favorite singers, but yeah. it's just like so difficult for no reason, you know. But then some of his shit's fucking just hilarious. I don't, I don't know. I think it's he just likes playing games with people or something. I don't know. But I, I shot a show of his. I guess it's been about a year ago. And it's just like, hey, don't approve me for a photo pass if I'm lined up, got a shot ready to fire off, and you just jump out of the way real quick. I mean, that's, I don't know. He's kind of hard to shoot. Because um, he's darting around so much. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of a combination of that, which he is. He's super animated and whatever. And that's one of the reasons we all love him. Right. But at the same time, it's kind of like, are you doing this to be a dick? Or I don't know. Um, at least he's not spitting at you, right? Yeah, and there you go, and, and Manson. Yeah, um, my right shoulder has some Marilyn Manson DNA in it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, um, man, I don't know. Uh, I think one of my favorites, uh, Jack Russell, was actually pretty cool. Of all people, I love uh, that guy. Nice. Yeah, yeah, he's I mean, awesome. Super cool. They were they were great. Bullet Boys were great. As a matter of fact, I think that was the same show, actually. I think I've pretty much answered yeah. that one. All right. Um, he also wants to know, question for all, who are your favorite rock photographers? Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'll, just off the top of my head, I'll say Barry Levine and Ross Halfen. Yeah. I'll go Ross too, man, for sure. Oh, it's like Neil's, uh, how you say it, Zlozlauer? Zlozlauer. Zlozlauer, yeah. yeah. I like yeah, him. I Both of them. Both of them, If like like we've said before, we're all pretty much the same age. All three of us grew, grew up looking at those two particular in particular, their photos in, like, yeah. every magazine, because yeah, that's pretty sure. much who it was. What an awesome life that guy had to have lived. Oh, yeah. Very cool. Um, we mentioned him earlier, Eric Hernandez. He's a hell of a photographer, too. I love yeah. a lot of his stuff. I haven't met him personally, like, you know, but we, we, we've really gone good. back and yeah. forth. Yeah, I, I can tell. We've gone back and forth online, and... Um, I was looking forward to Rock and Pod this year because he said he was going to be there and we could catch up, you know, and actually meet. But um, that's on hold, as the last I've heard. So we're doing it next year. Yeah, well, so far we are, right? So far, that's the plan. Don't take the wind out of my sails. Yeah, twenty twenty one, baby. I go, I go deep down the COVID rabbit hole, man. Uh, yeah, we're not getting into that. We're, we're going to be all so <laughs> safe and healthy and happy by then. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the goal. Uh, another one I'd put in there for sure would be Chad Lee. Oh yeah, Chad's great. And I know he's known mainly for his video work, but you got to include Rock and Ron Runyon, if nothing else, because of the time he let me be his assistant as we tried to stalk Vinnie Vincent in Atlanta. Uh, Timothy Stanton Dial wants to know pineapple on pizza. No, no. Mm, I can do pineapple with some ham. I could do it, but I don't choose to. Yeah, if I'm ordering a pizza, I don't get pineapple on it. But if I'm at like, uh, well, what we used to call buffet style pizza, I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Like a CC's, I'll take a little grab a slice of the pineapple and ham. Not bad. Yeah. Let's see. Todd Zilla wants to know: You got any Floyd Roses in there? Oh God! I can't do it as good as him. <laughs> All right, we're down to the home stretch now. What's up, guys? This is Eric in Colorado. I've been cruising through all the killer content Mike G has on his Instagram account, at MDGRockPicks. And I was wondering if I could ask, what is his go-to lens for stage work? He gets so many great close-up rock and roll expressions. Thanks, and keep up the awesome podcast content, guys. It helps take up some of the lonely hours stuck in Pandemicville, USA. What do you say? You're going to give up all your secrets? Maybe. I, I just use a lot of wide-angle lenses more than anything. That and um, Adobe Lightroom can work a whole lot of wonders. Nice. Yeah, Eric Spink is right, though. I mean, you really do seem to catch a lot of those really awesome close-up, middle-of-the-guitar solo, you know, cranking-it-out expressions on these guys. I love that stuff. Me and this guy just followed each other and had some um, words back and forth. He has some great photos as well. He takes a lot of uh, nature photos and and wildlife photos, I think. And um, I would I would actually ask him how he gets so you know so many clear shots. Is what I'm looking at. You know, look at that decibel geek bringing people together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> give give me some tips is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right, Mark Adams wants to know, rank every KISS member, former and current, from least favorite to favorite. Oh, boy. Okay, you want to go through mine and then tell me what you like and what you don't like again? Yeah. Okay, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of them. 
all together, actual members of KISS. So at number 10, no surprise, Vinnie Vincent. <laughs> at number 9, just because he just wasn't around long enough for me to really truly get to know him, Mark St. John. At number 8, I put Tommy Thayer. Number 7, Bruce Kulick. Number 6, Eric Singer. Number 5, Paul Stanley. Number 4, Peter Chris. Number 3, Gene Simmons. Number 2, Eric Carr. And number 1, The Space Ace. Wow, some high praise for Eric Carr, though. That's cool. They said favorites. Yeah. Um, so we're doing favorites, not what we think is like the most, the best contributing. No, just favorites. Oh, well, then I guess I have to put Vinny last in that case, just from personal experience. Uh-huh. Um, Are we unanimous that Vinny's last, Mike? Sure. All right. Yeah. And then I, you have to put Mark second to last because he just wasn't around long enough. And I would probably put Tommy next, not because I don't like him, but just I think the other guys contributed more than maybe Eric Singer, than Bruce, than Eric Carr, than Peter, than Ace, and Paul, than Gene. I, I'd put Paul second. That's wrong. That's all wrong. Why is it all wrong? He started out really good, and then it just kind of fell apart. What's wrong with Paul Stanley you, you, being second? You, you ranked Stanley. Ace Fraley way too low. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you want to take a shot at it? No. Okay. Well, then uh, we've got... Let's make Ace Fraley your number one, and you'll be good. Yeah, we move right on. <laughs> who's, who's your number one most favorite? I would say Gene, man. Okay. Everybody's got different favorites, and that's okay. A little something for everybody. Uh, we agree, though, that just out of solidarity with everybody, that I'll put Benny 10 and uh, Gene number one, and you can just. I would have to go with Paul, too, at number two. And beyond that, it's a free for all. Ace number three. Sorry, Aaron. Um, yeah. I think that's how it brawl. Okay. It's an interesting question when you just break it down to who do you like better for whatever yeah. reason. So we're gonna we're getting ready for the Matt Wellersdick lightning round. <laughs> yeah, so to wrap this up today, Matt Wellersdick was on the uh in the Decibel Geek community and he posted a bunch of uh quick ones. We're gonna fire him off real quick and then we're gonna play Beat the Geek. So, here we go. Um, he asks five cover songs that are better than the original. I mean, we kind of talked about cover songs earlier, I guess. Yeah. Naming five of them ain't rapid, so let's move on. I wasn't going to read. I saw. (laughs) 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 Okay. I saw this one a couple of weeks ago and I thought it was just a joke. And so I didn't read it. But now that I see it's here again at a later time, (laughs) I see how important it is to Matt that we answer this question. I'm not real comfortable with, but here goes. Kiss her in the pisser or hit her in the shitter? <laughs> it depends on what time of month it is. I um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I'd second bet. Probably go with the first one, but I, I don't, I'm not opposed to both. Eh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a married man, so I'll just say whatever she wants. Exactly. <laughs> well done. Oh, yeah, I'm right. sticking with Aaron. Skid Row's debut or Slave to the Grind? 
Uh, is that even a real question? I don't think so. I think it's all slave to the grind. For sure. And what's yeah. your favorite song off each? Hmm. I'm going to go Peace of Me and yeah. Psycho Love, maybe? Wow. I think oh, I'm on board tough. with you, man. That's tough, though, man. That's, I would also go with Peace of Me because that song's really great. But um, I'd probably go with Living on Chain Gang. That's a damn good That's, one, too. Yeah, it's hard to pick off that album because it's perfect. I'll go quick saying Jesus. That's good, too. Yeah, see? I mean, we could sit here and change our minds 15 times. Yes, we, we could. Even get it right. Um, kill, marry, or fuck? Roseanne Barr, Courtney Love, <laughs> Ian Wadley. I just shot myself. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm ready to kill myself now. Um, let's see. I guess I'd kill Roseanne, fuck Courtney Love, and definitely marry Ian Wadley. What a lovely wife he would be. You just took my answer. I was, I'm going to do the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the only logical answer. And that's what I'll I would go, expect anybody. I'll go all three and widely. <laughs> you kill, marry, and fuck. You do, if fuck, Hell marry, yeah. and then kill. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. All right, better cover of Anarchy in the UK, Motley Crue or Megadeth? Uh, Motley Crue. Molly Crew. Yeah, I think I got to go with Molly Crew also. Best mascot in rock and metal? Uh, Iron Eddie. Got Vic be. Rattlehead. Yep. Yep, what? Vic Rattlehead. Vic Rattlehead Over sure. Eddie? Yeah. You guys yeah, are I think crazy. so. He's way cooler looking. No, no. Me. And finally, how much do you love Winger's cover of Purple Haze? Uh, it's I don't. my favorite thing ever. I think it's awful. <laughs> I've never heard it. I like it's Ozzy's me. version of Purple Haze. You're better off not listening to it. Is that something new? No, it's been out for years. Oh, okay. It's, it sucks. I don't like it, Matt. Thanks for the question, though. <laughs> <laughs> and that concludes this week's quarantine sessions questions of course as always thanks everybody for sending them in if we didn't get to you we might have missed it but maybe we can come back and revisit some of these ones chris and i are probably going to take some of the excess and record some chris and aaron show and answer all the ones we didn't get to but yeah, yeah this was good today some awesome questions now we didn't play beat the geek last week because one if I went to have the time to put together the questions, and two, there's no way in hell I'd do a Kiss edition beat the geek. That would take me forever to find questions difficult enough to stump you guys. <laughs> but I do have some awesome questions this week. I think I'm going to kick both your asses, and neither one of you are going to get nothing right. <laughs> With that being said, are you ready to play Beat the Geek? Yep. Let's do it. All right. Welcome back to the most popular, most awesome, most coolest game show in rock and roll history. This is Beat the Geek. I'm your host, Aaron Camaro. This week, challenging Chris Sinzak is our good friend, Metal Mike. And I've got some great questions for you. So here we go. You guys understand the rules, right? I got to explain them again. 
I think so, man. All right, you guys got this figured out. It's easy. We'll go as we go. All right, Chris, you're the geek, so you get the first question. In 1984, David Lee Roth played his last show with Van Halen. Which city hosted this show? So then I go to Metal Mike and I say, Metal Mike, do you think Chris knows the answer to this question or do you want to bet against him? Um, I think he doesn't know. All right, Chris. So Mike is betting against you. Possible two points for you or a possible point for him. Your choices are Warsaw, Poland, London, England, Nuremberg, Germany, or Los Angeles, California? Uh, give me the choices. Warsaw, Poland, London, England, Nuremberg, Germany, or Los Angeles, California? Warsaw, Poland. That is incorrect. Point goes to Mike because he bet against you. Actually, their last show took place as part of the Monsters of Rock Festival, and that last show was in Nuremberg, Germany. Uh-huh. So, a point Thank you, for Chris. Mike. <laughs> Way to bet against him. All right, Mike, question is to you. Tipper Gore envisioned the PMRC after listening to her daughter's copy of this album. Chris, does Mike know which album set it all off? Uh, I'll say no. All right, Mike, he's betting against you. Your choices are Twisted Sister, Stay Hungry, Prince, Purple Rain, ACDC, Back in Black, or Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith. I'm going to say Twisted Sister. That is incorrect. Actually, Prince, isn't it? She got a hold of her Prince album. Yeah, all right. And it freaked her out. So Chris bet against you. You got it wrong. So now Chris has a point. We got a game here now, one-to-one. I got in trouble for that record. Did you? <laughs> Darling yeah. Nikki. Darling Nikki. Yeah. yeah. That's far out. I remember the preacher pulling that one out, asking us if any of us listen to Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Masturbating with a magazine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I always wondered about that. It was like, was she masturbating while looking at the magazine, or was the magazine? No, she had it rolled, rolled up. up. Oh, okay. All right, then. Thanks for clearing that up, Mike. No he extra, was there. No extra was... points for that. You were there. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of magazine was it? <laughs> I'm not going to tell you. Metal Edge. Home Gardening. <laughs> All right, Chris, your turn. I know you like these ones. According to iTunes, this is Wasp's most popular song. Mike, does Chris know what Wasp's most popular song on iTunes is? Probably. All right, Chris, he's not betting against you. Your chance to score a point here. Your choices are Wild Child, Blind in Texas, Mean Man, or Animal Fuck Like a Beast. Hmm. Well, it could be any of the three of these. I'll say animal. That is incorrect. Uh, yeah, animal is at number four. Mean man is 28. Blind in Texas is number three. And wild child is number one. Hmm. Mike did not bet against you. You did not get it right. No points awarded. And now it's Mike's turn. 
In 2012, Lamb of God frontman Randy Blythe was arrested in the Czech Republic. What was the charge? Chris, does he know his Lamb of God history? I think he knows this one. Okay, 2012 wasn't that long ago. Mike, was it drug possession, assault, theft, or manslaughter? Manslaughter. That is correct. I guess it's important to say that he didn't end up getting arrested. I mean, he was arrested, he was held over there, but in the end, they said it wasn't really his fault because he was just, you know, you're not supposed to jump up on the stage like that. People should know better. So they let him go. All right, that brings up the score two to one. Mike's in the lead. It's Chris's question. What kind of car was Def Leppard drummer Rick Allen driving when he lost his arm? This happened back, I think, in 84. Mike, does he know? Uh, I'm going to say yes. All right, Chris, he's not betting against you. Your choices are a Ferrari, Lamborghini, Corvette, or Porsche. I thought it was a... I think it was a Lamborghini, wasn't it? That is incorrect. Ah, bummer. It was actually a 1984 black Corvette. Uh, awesome car. Yeah, he wiped it out racing another car on New Year's Eve headed to a party in Sheffield, England. So he must have had it shipped over to England then because that's an American car. Well, you got it wrong. Mike did not bet against you, and so no points awarded. That's a good one. Nobody ever thinks about the car. There's a cool website out there that's got pictures of it, of the car all crushed up, and shows what a nice car it was before it happened. All right, score is still 2-1. to one. It goes to Mike, and your question is this. Which of the following 1997 albums charted the highest in the U.S.? Four albums, one of them charted higher than the rest. Chris, does he know his 97 albums? I need points, so I'll say no. All right, Mike, he is betting against you. Your choices are Faith No More, Album of the Year, Judas Priest, Jugulator, Motley Crue, Generation Swine, or Megadeth, Cryptic Writings? Ooh, um, I will say Generation Swine. That is correct. Ah, damn. Generation (laughs) Swine, number four. See, Cryptic Writings was at 10. Faith No More was 41. And Judas Priest was 81. So, Chris bet against you, and you got it right, so that's two points. So that brings the score four to one. All right, Chris, you got one more shot before the kiss round. And your question is this. Longtime Riot vocalist Rhett Forrester was killed in 1994. How did he die? Mike, does Chris know the answer to this? No. All right, Chris, you're being bet against. Was Rhett Forrester hit by a train? Killed in a jet ski accident, choked on food, or was he murdered? This is going to be a total guess. Um, Hit by a train. That is incorrect. Mm. That's a sad story. He was in Atlanta, and he was getting carjacked, and he fought back, and he got shot. I didn't even know that one. So, Mike bet against you, and you got it wrong. 
So Mike gets the point. That brings the score up 5-1. to one. Yeah! But fear not. It's time for the kiss round. Double the points. Mike, your question. According to iTunes, this is Paul Stanley's most popular song outside of Kiss. Chris, does Mike know the answer to this? Uh, I'll say yes. All right, he's not betting against you. Mike, your choices are Tonight You Belong to Me, Live to Win, Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, and It's All Right. I'd say Live to Win. That is correct. Double the points. That's two for Mike. Chris did not bet against you. Yeah, it's kind of weird because, you know, the iTunes ratings like Tonight You Belong to Me is number three. Wouldn't You Like to Know Me, number five. It's All Right, number four. But Live to Win is number one and number two hmm. on the it's single and the album. It's because of the South Park connection, I'm sure. That's got to be. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. All right, Mike taking advantage and a big jump ahead in points in the kiss round. But, Chris, your chance to bring it back right now, and your question is this. Which member of KISS is most closely associated with the Ovation Breadwinner guitar? Mike, you know he's a KISS fan. Does he know this? He knows this. All right, (laughs) your choices are Mark St. John, Bruce Kulick, Ace Fraley, or Paul Stanley. It's Ace Fraley. Dang, I thought that was going to be a little bit tougher. How about the guitar nerd? (laughs) Well, double the points. That's two for you. Mike did not bet against you. That brings the score to seven to three. Yeah, uh, looking good. Two more questions to go. This one's for Mike. In the liner notes for America's Least Wanted, Ugly Kid Joe (laughs) thanks all the following bands except... Four bands listed. Three of them are thanked in the credits. One of them is not. Chris, you know he knows his ugly kid Joe, but does he know this? Uh, I need points at this point, so I have to bet against him. Yeah, you're going to have to bet against him here. It could help you. All right, Mike, your choices are Two Live Crew, Kick Tracy, The Infectious Grooves, and Body Count. Um... Can you hold on while I go get a knife to cut this tattoo off my leg? Oh, um, no. <laughs> let's see. Um, this is this is me taking my rightful place as Ugly Kid Joe fan number one. It is you bastard. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Is who they did not? Yeah, three of them did. One did not. Two live crew. Kick Tracy. Infectious grooves or body count. Kick Tracy. That is incorrect. Ah. They did thank Kick Tracy along with Two Live Crew and the Infectious Grooves, but they did not thank Body Count. So Ah. Chris bet against you, so he gets a point. He's creeping back up. I did that on purpose. Yeah. (laughs) I'll be expecting your crown. (laughs) All right, final question on Beat the Geek this week, and it goes to Chris. According to Richie Rano, who came up with the name of the band Stars? Mike, does he know it? You want to bet against him just for fun? Stars? Yeah, hell no. All right, you're not being bet against. No chance to win the game, but for honor and glory and a chance to get just one more right. Your choices are Bill Coin, Cram Jansen, Sean Delaney, 
or Joe X Doobie? Uh, I actually don't know this. Uh, I'll just guess Sean Delaney. That is correct. Oh, cool. So you got one more point in the end because Mike did not bet against you. Unfortunately, as much as you made a good comeback, it wasn't quite enough. And Metal Mike is the champion on this week's Beat the Geek. With a I score, beat the Geek. Score a seven to five. It's becoming rarer for me to win. What is going on here? I try to make these <laughs> questions too hard, maybe. Maybe like the the name Beat the Geek is a directive more than a than a challenge. Uh-huh. It's hey, would you like to come on the show and beat the geek? Yeah. <laughs> I, I hear it's anti- a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. I'm the anti Eddie Trunk. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, he never I, I, gets them right either. Yeah. All I'm not right. talking about how every person mentioned is my friend at least. No. All right. Well, that was another exciting edition of the quarantine sessions. You guys are digging it, so we're going to keep doing it for a while until we figure out something else we want to do if we want to do that. So it's loose times, and we're a loose show, so we're just going to play it by ear. But as always, we hope you guys let us know what you do like, what you don't like. Thank everybody for uh, sending in questions. Keep your eyes open because we'll be doing this again next week, so looking for more questions, so keep them coming. Uh, Mike, you know what? One more time, tell everybody where your awesome photography is at, where they can see it. The most, of my, the majority of my stuff is on Instagram, uh, MDG Rock Picks, and uh, I have a website as well, mdgrockphotography.com, which is eh, I put a little work in there every now and then. It's a little under construction at the moment, but you can find me either one. Right on. And let me tell you this, Mike's photography and his photos that you're going to be able to check out are so awesome it's even worth signing up for an instagram account just to do it so i'll be waiting for your follow aaron (laughs) (laughs) that's funny because he's been bugging me to get on instagram for years now (laughs) and i'm stubborn i won't do it Aaron, you sign up for instagram this week and mike you sign up for facebook we're at a stalemate Uh exactly (laughs) that's what i always say yeah, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for uh, helping me spread my uh, my work out there. It was good to have you on the show, man. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, it's only taken like seven years. But, yeah. <laughs> Better late than never. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'll take it. Right. Had on. a good time. Thanks, there, everybody. Is there anything I should play as a playout song? Mm. Anybody got anything? Any ideas? I don't have anything offhand that I'm that I know of. Do I get the pick? If you yeah. want to, but it's got to be, it can't be something like a Sony artist or something. I will say, just for Aaron and myself, Ugly Kid Joe, Under the Bottom.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.